Uh, let's just start with prayer. Father, we just thank you that we can be here tonight. Father, we just pray that you open our ears, open our hearts, and just allow us to really listen in and, 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 and to really understand what you're trying to say to us, uh, Father, through this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Do we have any Star Wars fans here tonight? This is your opportunity to get out of the closet. It's, um, it was funny, my, I, was, I had my next door neighbor over on Friday night and uh, he loves AFL, so we we're going to watch footy together, mainly Friday nights. And um, I was trying to get to know him and ask him questions and you know, I, was, I got to movies and, 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 and he said, you know, is there any movies you like to watch? And he started with Marvel. I'm like, yeah, Marvel's, you know, it's a pretty good connection point. Most people enjoy Marvel. Uh, and then I just started talking about, oh, I've been watching The Mandalorian. Uh, which is Star Wars and how much I enjoy it. And it's just amazing. He just It's like he changed. He's like, oh, you're a Star Wars fan? And he just started going on. And, and, and look, I, I'm not as you know hard on Star Wars that maybe others are, but I convinced my wife to watch through all the Star Wars movies. And, and yeah, he just started going on about all the things. And then he started to go to the next stage. He said, what about Star Trek? And I said, hang on, mate, that's too far. I'm not quite there on that one. But there's something about, I love about The Mandalorian and it's, there's something, and for those that haven't watched it, um, there's a line in, in the whole series and it's, it's this, this is the way. Um, and I just, I don't know, it's just kind of cool that when they're speaking to each other, the Mandalores, they, they just say, this is the way, uh, meaning this is the way of the Mandalore. Because um, there were certain things that, the Mandalorians had to do to be a Mandalorian. And, and for example, one of those things was that they couldn't take off their helmet. I'm not giving away too many. Um, you got to go and watch it yourself. Anyways, uh, many of the Mandalorians had, given, had taken their helmets off because they kind of just went, we don't want to follow this anymore. It's, it's ancient. Um, uh, but this guy, Din Djarin, who's the main character... Um, he also, somewhere there, he seems a very dedicated Mandalorian, but somewhere there he does take off his helmet, but he feels ashamed of doing it. And so he, the third season is about him trying to restore uh, back to his way. This is his way. This is, it's, it's, it's a fascinating... Um, and I, just, I just, just made me think about how cultures around the world have a certain way. We see it all the time. This is the way if you want to be part of that culture. Um, gangs, we see that. If you want to be part of certain gangs, there is a certain way and things that you have to do. And is that any different for us as Christians? Jesus says there is a way that we have to follow Him. And it's very clear and it's different to the world. And in fact, the world will find it odd, the things that we do. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes a bit like the Mandalorian, how he had to go back um, and go back to his traditions. I think for us as Christians, sometimes we need to go back to Jesus' teaching because I think we lose the way. I think we lose the teachings of Christ and we allow the world to influence our way, the Christian walk. And over this series, that's what I want to talk about. Um, and and we're just going to turn to Luke 9. Um, 
And I'm going to look at Luke 9, verse, uh, we'll look at verse uh, 21. And just before this, we just see, you know, the disciples, just a bit of context, the disciples have been following Jesus for a very long time now. And we just even see Peter, he's confessed that Jesus is Lord. He's the, he's the one. He's the, God, he's the Son of God. Uh, and then Luke 9, verse 22 we read here, our uh, 21 verse, it says, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed. And on the third day, he would be raised to life. Now, this is important because I think the disciples were continually confused on the way of Christ. They were continually confused of how what the kingdom of God was like. And they had their own ideas of what the kingdom was. And, and Jesus continues to flip that. And again, I think Jesus, again, is reminding them that His way is so much different to what they're probably expecting. And we see in Luke 9, verse 23, He says, whoever wants to be my disciple, uh, He's saying, this is, if you want to follow me, this is what it's going to look like. This is what it's going to take. Uh, and, and again, the disciples thought, no, they thought the Messiah was going to be a certain way. And so Jesus always, we're going to remember, he's flipping it. And, and it's important to remember, I think, because the disciples and the religious leaders and many around that time thought that Jesus was going to just come in and, and you know, the Roman Empire was very oppressive and he was just going to rule over that and he was going to defeat them. Um, and I, I can imagine the disciples were thinking, you know, we're going to be along Jesus' side when he does this and we're going to be his nobles. And then they were fighting about who's going to be the take the place of honor next to Jesus. Uh, and again, Jesus just flips that and he says this. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. What Jesus is saying is that the kingdom, the way is different to what you expect. You know, I, I want you to really picture yourself listening to these words as Jesus speaks them. You know, these things that Jesus has shared, how he's going to be uh, hung up on a cross. You know, a king. And he says, if you want to follow me, you have to do this as well. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Take up the cross. You know, I, I just want to, I want you to really picture that, that the, the feelings um, that they might ex experience. And so I want to I talk about this the next three weeks, about these three things. Deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me. This is the way of the cross. This is the way of a follower of Jesus. This is the way that we will, if we want to be part of the kingdom, this is what Jesus expects of us. Um, and I want to tackle this first topic, deny yourself. When, when, I, when you hear deny yourself, what's your response? What's your feelings? Hearing deny yourself. It's, a, it's an interesting thing to really think about, deny yourself. And this is not 
some, some type of new language that we see. In fact, this is just something that is actually, as you go through Scripture, it's all through there. It's all through Scripture. And um, you might hear other things like die to yourself or put to death the things of the flesh. Uh, you don't belong to yourself. And what Jesus is saying when, and, and others writers when they're saying this, he's saying, if you want to follow me, you have to reject your human inclination of selfishness, of human selfishness. Galatians 5.24 says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What Jesus is saying those passions and desires that you have towards your self-centered uh, mind and heart, you need to put that now onto me. Everything you desire in this world, every passion, you need to crucify that and follow me. That's what denial, it's self-denial. And so it's going from making ourselves the center of the world to making God the center of the world. It's a willingness to let go of worldly possessions and, and status so that we can have a relationship with God. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I want you to really think about this. Throughout Scripture, we would not see the incredible things that godly men and women did if it wasn't for self-denial. And I just want to just pose these questions because this is what God asks of people in this. And I want I wanted to ask you this question because, again, I want you to think about self-denial. It's easy to sit there and go, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do self-denial. I can follow God. If God came to you and told you that He wants you to move from this place of comfort to a place where you'll be under intense persecution, would you do it? We see that. In the Old Testament, we see that through the Israelites where God takes them from a place where they actually, I know they're under slavery, but they were on a place of comfort. They talk about, wish we could go back. Yet Jesus calls them out into the desert and then he takes them into the promised land where there are giants and armies. Here's another one. If, if God called you and told you to walk around the city for seven days, would you do it? We see Joshua and the Israelites do that. How do they get to that place? Self-denial. I can imagine you right now, I don't think the flesh would be wanting to do that. I can imagine you, if I said to you, we're going to drop this mic, let's go, let's start walking around the city. There'll be a lot of people in here. I don't know if everyone in here would come with me. But these are the questions that we need to ask ourselves because this is where it starts. It's not where it finishes. It's where it starts. It starts with going, you know what, I'm going to let go of my passions and desires to follow God no matter what the cost is. I'm going this way, which is what the world's going, to go this way to follow Christ with everything I have. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is, not, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What he's saying is that even though we are now crucified the flesh, as we come to follow Jesus, and there may be some in this room that haven't decided to do that, 
But as, as Christians, when we decide to follow Jesus, it says that Jesus will wash our sins clean, but we will still live in this earthly body. Meaning, we're still going to have those earthly passions and desires. We don't completely just cut them off. And so now we're living in it, and it's a journey between the spirit and the flesh. When we come to side and follow Jesus, it says that we will receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is renewing us to become more like Jesus. And the flesh wants to pull you back to those passions and desires. What are those passions and desires that are selfish? What does the flesh desire? I'll, I'll go through some. I'm just going to go through them quick just so you guys have an understanding. This is what Scripture tells us that are not godly things. These are fleshly desires. This is what we call sin. Sin is what separates us from God. And the flesh desires revenge. That's what Romans 12 verse 19 to 20. You can read these up later. Uh, the flesh desires reputation. Wanting to be known by the world. Matthew 5 verse 11. Uh, the flesh desires comfort. It doesn't want to be uncomfortable. Luke 9 uh, verse 57 to 58. Uh, the flesh desires to store up treasure and use money how, that, how we want. As, as Ryan said, when, when we come to follow Jesus, our money is now God's money. He is the ruler over us. Matthew 5, verse 43 to 47, the flesh desires the right to hate. Uh, and then we said, I'll keep going, the flesh desires to have our own rules, to complain and gossip, to put ourselves first, and the right to express sexuality freely, meaning that Instead of uh, how God designed sex for marriage, He's saying that to, we we want our flesh wants to step out of marriage and to use that. Uh, that's what the flesh desires, and that's its passions. And I can imagine as we all go through those areas, I'm sure many of you have struggled with these things. I have. You're lying if you haven't. But that's why Jesus says denying yourself is not a one-off event. It's a daily posture. It's something that we have to do. And, and we see that through Jesus, how Jesus did that. In 1 Peter 4, verse 1 to 2, it says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, the same attitude as Jesus. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. As we decide to follow Jesus, it is a daily process of denying the flesh and taking up the cross. It's a daily thing that we have to follow and choose Him. And, and when we do that, we're, we're now walking in the will of God. How do we step out of the will of God? We pursue our fleshly desires. How are we walk in the will of God? We're following Jesus. And this is not you know, I just want to put it here, I think there's some confusion. What is the will of God for my life? Can I tell you, Scripture is very clear, is to follow Him daily. And, and in every situation, is to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in those areas. The will of God's heart is to see people come into the kingdom of God. And He wants to see people discipled, to, to know Him. And so our role as a church in the will of God is to actually bring people into His kingdom. We see that. 
and and I'll I'll share a little bit more. Maybe we can, um, yeah. While we're not maybe seeing people in the kingdom of God as as often as we should, but this is this is a way of following Jesus. Now you're probably sitting there and and maybe you looked at all that list and go, why would I want to follow Jesus? If I have to deny all those things, man, I'm not going to follow this guy. And, and to be honest, there were many that didn't. Jesus was very clear. And I, I, it blows my mind. You know, the young rich ruler, he, he said, you know, he's, he's nearly said, I'm prepared to follow you, Jesus. Just show me one thing. And Jesus says, well, give up all your money. And the young rich ruler couldn't do it. There are many that can't follow Jesus because they're not willing to let go of the fleshly desires. But I want to encourage you that if you do follow Jesus, there is something beautiful and amazing that we receive in return. And this is why we should deny ourselves because we receive a new life. A new life that was what we originally were created for. I don't know if you've ever felt like as you're walking in your flesh and you're like, there's got to be something more to life than this. There's got to be something that it just doesn't, as, as I buy this house and, uh, you know, I feel like I've got this, this family that I wanted as I grew up. It's just not feeling the hole that I have in my heart because you haven't found Jesus. You were created for God. You were created to be a son and daughter for God. And when we decide to deny ourselves and follow Jesus, Jesus promises a life of joy. He promises a life of hope. He promises a life of peace and love. A life of knowing who you are. So many in our world are so unsure of their identities. God knows your identity. He knows your purpose. A life that is not temporary. Our lives are supposed to be eternal. God promises, you follow me, I will give you eternity with me. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty... If that's all I receive from Jesus, that's enough. But we live so much for this temporary world. But see, the old self tries to take us away from these things. And that's why Jesus says you must deny that old life. No matter how much your flesh wants it, it brings death, it brings darkness. Philippians 3 uh, verse 7 to 8, and I just, I just hear Paul's language. Paul was someone that didn't know Christ And he found Jesus and he says this, I once thought these things were valuable. He's talking about earthly things. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Wow. He truly must found Jesus. If he's willing to let go of everything. You know, this this the way of the cross 
can I tell you, is, is a beautiful thing as we pursue, pursue Jesus. And I've seen the beauty of when people decide to say no to that life of, of, the, of the flesh and decide to follow Jesus. Can I tell you, I've, I've seen incredible people that have just completely transformed, completely changed. You know, they were in a life of despair and darkness and, and they decided to follow Jesus and it can only be Jesus that transformed them. You know, they were a place that was so self-centered that no one wanted to be around them to a person that would serve and love others. Only Jesus can do that. Only He can change hearts and minds. You know, I often think, you know, I think about this, this world we live in with anxiety and worry and depression and um, the darkness and despair that is, 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 is rife through our community. I wonder, where does that actually stem from? And I actually, maybe the question is, is, that, is it because we're trying to control things? You know, anxiety is actually comes from a place of wanting to control. And when, when you can't control, this anxious fear comes over you and you start to worry because you can't control it. And I actually feel like Jesus was speaking through this is that maybe if we just gave up control and gave it to God, we wouldn't have these anxious thoughts. If we just said, you know what, I'm giving it everything to you. I'm going to follow you no matter what. I'm going to stop. Uh, and it just, it just reminds me of Philippians 4. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but instead in everything by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your quest to God. He's saying, do not be anxious about the earthly things. Do not be anxious about not, you know, that you may not be able to put food on the table at times. Do not be anxious. Put, put your hope in me. Trust me. And I, I believe that, you know, can I be honest? Following Jesus, there's going to be some hard things. There are going to be times where Jesus will ask us to give maybe our last meal and we won't get to eat or he'll, give, he'll ask us to give money when we don't, we don't even know how we're going to pay for the next meal. He may even ask us to serve. He may even ask us to quit our jobs for the kingdom of God. He may ask us to move to another city. But Jesus says, do not be anxious because I'm going to look after you. Jesus says that in Matthew 6, do not worry for I look after the birds in the air. Do not, I not care as much as you, but the question is, are we all in with Him? It's only when we're all in, we give that control that, that He will start to look after us. So I think we're still holding on to control. And that's why maybe we're feeling these anxious thoughts at times because we're trying to control our lives. When God just says, give it to me, I will look after you. I will give you rest. I'll give you peace. Take your eyes off yourself. You know, I was thinking of ways that how, how does God remind us to take our eyes off ourselves? And, and often it's through prayer and, and praying for others. And, and I had a, one of the girls was sharing with me, she was in hospital with her baby and there was some complications going with the baby and it started to get a lot of anxiety from it. And a friend who she reached out to said, 
Have you prayed for the other babies in the hospital? Straight away, as she started to pray for the other babies in the hospital, her anxiety lifted because she took her eyes off herself and put them on God, gave God control and said, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give, give, you, give it in your hands. You know, I think that's why prayer is such a powerful thing because prayer is taking the eyes off yourself and putting them and directing them towards God. You know, fasting is another way of, you've got to understand, we're going from self-centeredness to now going God-centered. How do we do that? Can I tell you fasting is a way to take it off yourself because the flesh wants food. And so when we, when we fast, we're actually saying no to the flesh and we're saying yes to God. You know, serving. You know, serving is another way of taking it as, as long as we're serving because we want to serve God, not because we're serving for a reputation. But serving takes our eyes off ourselves and, and puts it on others. Because this is what we're battling. You know, I, I truly believe that selfishness is what destroys churches. Selfishness, gossip comes from selfishness. You know, um, slander comes from selfishness. It's people wanting this reputation, people wanting to look better than others, and, and they so they bring others down. You know, if we were less self-centered and more God-centered, we would see a more unified church. We'd see a church that people serve one another, like Jesus served us. I'm just about to finish. I just want to—I want to just share you this. It was something that God was showing me this week. Um, and it was about annual plants. And so what are annual plants? Annual plants are something that only happen annually. So they'll, you plant the seed and then they die and then you have to replant another seed. You, they won't continue growing. And annual plants, for them to, to be replanted, they must die so the seed can be replanted. Now, what, what I felt like God was showing me was that you know, this way of dying to ourselves is not just a human thing, that it is in nature as well. And you'll see a picture up here. I just want to put up the sunflower. Um, Rach has grown some sunflowers in our, in our garden. And it's, it's just fascinating for, for sunflowers. If you want to get the seed, you have to wait till the flower dies before you can get the seeds to replant. Um, and then a, a, another annual is actually wheat. So I'm a, I grew up on a farm and, and I harvest. And, you know, we have to wait till, till the whole stalk is pretty much dead. And if we leave it too long, they'll oversprout and so they'll fall on the ground. But if you go too early, it's green and it actually the, the actual seeds won't come out. So what we do is we go and we, we actually grab a bit of uh, grain and we just crunch it up in our hands to see if the seeds will come out easily. If they do that means it's probably ready to harvest. Anyways, my point is, when Jesus talks about the good soil, when a seed falls on good soil, where it will produce a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown, I feel like God's saying that if we're going to see the church grow, 
the church needs to die to itself first. Meaning, if we want to see new life, new plants, new crops grown, we as individuals as a church, we have to die to ourselves to allow the new fruit to come, for the seed to sprout into others, into other good soil. And I just thought, that's a challenge. Because as you really think about it, what stops us from sharing the gospel with others? Our selfishness. Our self-centeredness. Because we're too scared of what they may think of us, selfish. Or the fear, again, selfish. And it's only when we start to just go, you know what, this is not about me, this is about God. I'm going to share this good news. I'm going to step out in faith and trust Him because I'm giving my life to Him that we will see new fruit, that we will see new seeds grown and take place in other soils. And so I want to encourage you, you know, this is a journey. But I feel like some of us have probably been on this journey for too long that, that God's going, hey, I've been asking you to get rid of this a long time ago and you still haven't. Trust me. You know, I, I can't tell you what those things are in your life. That's, that's between you and God. But I want to encourage you that if you can push through, if you can let go, if you can just take up the cross and follow Jesus, there is going to be a beautiful harvest at the end of it. There's going to be a beautiful crop at the end of it. And I can just see a field of harvest that's in front of us if we're willing to let go, to deny and take up the cross and follow. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. And you'll hear that next week when we, when we talk about taking up the cross. But I'm going to tell you that it's worth it. And it's going to be a beautiful thing when we see lives changed. People's lives are, uh, are just, I don't know about you, but seeing new people come to faith is just an incredible thing to see. You know, I've got a, we've got a friend, my, one of my coaches, that, um, and God is just doing incredible things in him. And everyone in the footy club is saying, that guy's different. He's a different guy. Because that's what God does. That's who he is. He's a man that transforms. Colossians 3. I'm just going to read this. I'm not going to teach on this. Um, and I, I want to encourage you, maybe you can take this this week and really meditate on this. But Colossians 3 verse 1 to 17 says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, revealed to the whole world, you will share in all His glory. That is His promise. That is His promise that you will share in His glory. What a beautiful picture that will be when we decide to follow Jesus. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual morality, 
impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an adulterer, worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature, and it's all wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and He lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people, He loves, He loves. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. You know, Jesus doesn't make us do anything he doesn't do himself. Do you understand that Jesus gave up everything for us? He died for us so that we may live. So the question I have for you is, are you willing to give up everything for him? Do you know, that's what it takes in a relationship. You know, if you see two married couples, when they get together, they have to give up things to be unified. They have to serve one another. If they don't, if selfishness gets in the way, marriages split. This is the same with Jesus. If we want to be in a relationship with Jesus, we cannot let selfishness get in between us with Jesus. That's what sin is. And so my encouragement is, are you willing to give that up for him? I am. It's not easy at times. It's hard. I, I have disappointed him at times. But he has never left me. He has always been there. I'm the one that has always separated our relationship, not him. And he opens his arms over and over again. And I want to encourage you to stop letting those selfish things get in the way of being in a relationship with Jesus. Let go. He's opening his arms to you. He wants to give you a new life. Matthew 10 verse 39, If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that we could uh, come around your word and your message. 
Father God, and, and, and I just thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to die for us because you wanted to be in relationship with us. You laid down everything for us. And I pray as a church, we would lay everything down for you so that we could be in a relationship with you, that, so that we could have, have a new life. Father, I'm sick of this old life. I'm sick of what the world wants and desires. It, it, it brings darkness and death. I pray, Father, that I would choose you amidst this darkness. I would choose you in the morning. I'll choose you through the day. I'll choose you at night. I pray as a church that we would do the same, that we would, would pursue you with everything that we have. And we will not be fearful of the world. We will not be fearful of, the, of death. That we would step into the relationship you have which brings life, a life of, of eternity with you. And I just pray for those that don't know you here, that you would show yourself to them. Show that you are knocking on their doors, opening up your heart to them and show them that you died for them, gave up your life for them so that we could live. In Jesus' name, amen.